0: White
1: Hello, music fans from all over the world. This is Keith Music Manhandleck with the podcast from the final Today we have Evan Wish. How are you, Evan?
0: I'm fine. Thank you.
1: Thanks for coming today. Appreciate it.
0: And thank you um, for just, having me. Absolutely. It's,
1: it's my pleasure. Um, just so you folks know, uh, Evan put album out last October, Called "Alone in the Crowd," uh, which I covered po- approximately about a month ago. Um, he's a piano maestro superb, and um, I really enjoyed the music and really connected with the title "Alone in the Crowd," uh, which could have several meanings for different people. Um, obviously, um, with Evan, he's there pictured on the cover playing the piano by himself on stage, so probably feeling all alone up there with the crowd of people behind him uh, listening and appreciating his music. And, you know, then there's the other side of where you hear people say, I was in a crowd of five people and I felt so alone, which is, uh, to me, is a, is a mental state of mind. And uh, I just wanted to provide that information and, you know, how I felt about the, the music and, and, you know, what it triggered inside of me and started that process for me with the, the writing and Evan, I uh, was wondering, what was your point of view, uh, you know, when I wrote that review and you read it, did you connect on a level that made sense, or was there something else that drove you to title the album that and um, the compositions to
0: follow? One of, the, one of my favorite things to do um, for many, many years is uh, around 5 o'clock, I'll go for a cup of coffee. And, uh, a lot of times, um, I sit alone, uh, just to decompose and I watch people go by. And, um, I'm sitting alone in a crowd. Um, also at the same time, I felt that with the way things are going within society, um, a lot of people feel alone, uh, within themselves uh perhaps not being able to express themselves and in a in a way I felt that many of us are alone in a crowd um quite often. Um and so this song, you know, when I write the songs they they, they have a healing effect for myself as well. Um and this song I knew the title straight up front. Um Sometimes the titles come at the end of the song or not for a long time. But uh, this, this for me was very, very, very powerful for me.
1: Mm. Personal. Yeah.
0: Always. Yeah.
1: Interesting. When you said that about, you know, sitting there watching people go by alone and you look around you and, you know, you see other people, you feel other people feeling that. And I think part of the problem with that is people have their face down on, you know, looking at a phone. Big and You know, on one, on, one, on one hand, it's antisocial. And on the other hand, it's like that's all they're doing is communicating, but not with the people they're with. <laughs> you know it's i just, okay. i
0: and you know i i'm a very talkative person even while i'm on the street or uh at a grocery store i'll start talking to someone beside me or um yeah. i too. i like to, yeah i lo- i love to just you know jump into people um mm-hmm. and uh the phone the phone stops it the phones, you know it stops me from you know communicating with people whether they want me to or not and i also think you know a lot of times like i always have a book with me constantly so even if i'm sitting alone in a crowd i have a book with me um i don't look at my phone i don't use the phone like that i only use the phone for texting and for calls there's no emails there's no nothing there's no surfing the internet there's no movies there's no nothing i just use it strictly as a telephone um and then you know so the picture when i decided on the picture of the album of me on the stage it's it's a way for me to say um, that maybe I wasn't so personally involved in being alone in a crowd. Because the, the album shows me alone on the stage. Right. Um, and I thought that was kind of
1: cool. <laughs> Interesting it's the first thing I thought of when you said you bring a book with you everywhere. That's like your companion. It's like having you know, taking a dog for a walk or (laughs) it's your companion that you can count on, right?
0: Well, yeah, because also at the same time, if I don't feel like talking, I just say, hey, you know what? I'm reading, okay? (laughs) Can't you see I'm reading? (laughs) I'll frequent frequent the same coffee shop for years, you know, so I, you know, everybody knows me. (laughs)
1: Now, are you in are you in France now?
0: No, I came back, um, the 13th.
1: So you have something going on. You know, you gave me a lot of background uh, on yourself, um, prior to me covering this latest release yeah.
0: and you had
1: said you were a builder and you're building something in France. Is that right?
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm refurbishing a house there in a little tiny village in, uh, Burgundy. Um, and when I say tiny village, it has no postal, no police, no fire trucks, no stores, no cafes. It's just uh <laughs> two or three hundred French people. Um it's right beside the Loire River. Um it's it's gorgeous. It's it's uh what they say bucolic. It's um it's it's very, very green, it rains. Um you know, um it's a very de stressed place. Also, at the same time, you know, I started going to France around ninety-five, and I, for a while I lived in the in the south in Provence, and um, I I played piano. I you know I I, w- I asked how to uh, y- um, talk to somebody in French to tell them I was a musician. I was a compositeur. Uh, je voudrais, I would like uh, jouer to play jouer le piano, and uh, the French were very open. Uh, even if I was in like a one of the top hotels in Paris, or in Cannes, or Saint Tropez, and they would let me play, and instantly they they gravitated to the passion in my music. Um, um, and so at that point, also, I said to myself, well, why, why would I want to be involved in Hollywood films when what I really do is when I sit at the piano and I allow my emotions to be inspirational, these people connect to it. Um, so it was also at that time that I decided to pursue just being a solo pianist composer instead of going into the film industry like I had studied uh, at a private school here in the U.S. And so I keep on going back to France.
1: So what was the first inclination to go to France? Why France?
0: I married a French woman. I met ah. her. Yeah, I, I met her uh, playing. She was French American. Um, um, I met her playing piano uh, at a very wealthy place at the Beverly Hills Hotel back in 93. Uh, I was doing a gig there for uh, a new age group called the Inside Edge. Uh, very forward thinkers who went on to, many of them went on to be some of the top uh, healing authors, you know, all the self-help books. Um, and so my participation to be in the group without having to pay the fee was to play the piano. Ah. Yeah, so um, that's what I did. And I met Josette. um I had a work visa uh, only. 'Cause I was Canadian, so in the US here after my school finished, I was uh in a very precarious position. And um uh she says, Well, you know, um let's go to France for a while and uh work things out and um you'll have a green card. <laughs> 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 Girls with a plan. <laughs>
1: Girls good all- married.
0: Girls always have a plan. Guys, forget it. We're lost. (laughs) You know what? I'm not going to
1: disagree with that. I've been married almost 32 years, so I totally get it.
0: You know, so uh, off we went. Off I go, because I I, I mentioned it to a producer, and he goes, so what's your plan? I'm like, I got no plan. He goes, well, dude, you know, if a beautiful French girl (laughs) wanted me to marry her and go to Provence for a while, I think I'd take take you up on it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the first time that's out live. Nobody knows that. This is on your blog (laughs) and all your fans.
1: Wow, interesting. And, you know, at
0: the same time, they compared me to Satie. So, you know, Satie in France is huge. This guy is like worldwide Satie. Um, Piano player? Pardon?
1: Is he a piano player, Satie?
0: Yeah, he's a major, major composer. World, You know, you know. From from their history, um, I'm sorry, I can't give you more info on than that. Um, but you know, S A T I E, so T, he's out there, um, oh, yeah. and you know, it's just as 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 a composer, as as an artist, you know, you you're either writing music for the industry, or you're writing music because of the passion you have in you, and at the same time, um, I always felt that. When I first started writing early, which was uh, like '78, '79, I recognized it as a gift.
1: Right. Um,
0: that I was given a gift, a God-given gift. That um, my emotions, you know, because when you compose, you are alone too. It's 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 at least the way I have to compose. There can't be any outside noise. Um,
1: yeah, it, it's very spiritual, very cerebral you know and there, you can't be you have to put this invisible um force field around you right
0: yeah yes yes and especially with this record um each one of these songs didn't come from an, an emotional point um like the earlier records where you know something would happen in my life and I have all this drama and you know I'm I'm like oh emotional and I go to the piano and the the music starts to come because you're not aware of your outside. You're alone again, you're alone with your emotions, you're alone with your feelings. you feel alone. but then when my hands go on the piano and the keys and the and the notes start, the harmonies get going inside me. It's like a mix master going around, and all of a sudden, I start to connect to some of the harmonics mhm, and they heal my feelings Amazing. And then all of a- all of a sudden I have this beautiful song and I'm like, wow, you yeah, know, cool.
1: that's yeah. Very. I, I think there is a connection to God, a higher power, whatever it is you choose to call it, that makes that happen. And quite honestly, that's the way I feel, you know, besides feeling blessed that I have the opportunity to hear great music like yours and, and talk to people like you on this level and learn so much and and it just feels so good to do all this and it's very exciting for me and continues to feel that way and so I keep doing it but I feel that I am blessed as well in many ways and I have a gift that I'm sharing because I put on music and it's kind of like you you put your fingers on those ivory keys I put my fingers on the keyboard and it starts going and it doesn't stop then I stop and I look at it and I go wow, that's really cool. You know, not everybody can do things like this. So you accept it as a gift and you feel grateful, you know? So I totally get it. It's
0: it's emotional. Yes, you know, very. It's always emotional. And um, there's compassion, you know? Uh, we can always do it with a little bit more compassion um, with each other, you know? Um You do it your way. I'm very grateful for that because without that, there's my way doesn't make sense. You know, right. Um, You know,
1: I was just thinking um, when you said you were from Canada, I didn't know that. Yeah. uh, What I, what I like to give the audience a slice of is your, your growing up period and what got you into music. So you're, where in Canada are you from?
0: Uh, I, I, I'll say Manitoba, but you know, for all the listeners, that's just above or of uh, Minnesota and North Dakota.
1: Um, ah, nice, nice and cold.
0: <laughs> yeah, really cold. And um, <laughs> we were in a tiny village. Um, my parents moved to a city called Brandon, and the uh, the amazing thing about Brandon is it has a conservatory of music. So uh, my first teacher happened to be a nun. And, um, I was what, maybe about seven years old and I started studying with her and then I don't know what happened, but maybe she decided to quit being a nun to go have a little boy that was blonde hair, um, who could, she could teach piano to, but, uh, I switched to another teacher, a Mrs. Spalding and Mrs. Spalding was connected with the conservatory. So every year I had to go in front of a panel of three adjudicators and I had to memorize nine different classical pieces wow. and, I would, and I would be tested. Um, I'd be tested on my performance. Also wow. I, was required, I was required to do recitals and competitions, Bach, Chopin. Um, I was required to take written exams, and okay. your main name, name would appear in the newspaper. I always received honors or first class honors. And every year you need to move on or you do move on to the next level. There's 10 levels. Wow. So seven yeah. years
1: old, that's, that's a lot to take on for a seven-year-old kid. Wow. What? What is this Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> And you survived it. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. But you see, um, by the time I was 17, because also at the same time, I, I played oboe in the city orchestra. And I played, uh, tenor sax in the city jazz band, you know, at at that time, you know, growing up, there was the YMCA where you learned swimming, you had baseball, you had hockey, um, Mm -hmm. but I was a violinist and a dancer, um, and, and so she was, uh, always, you know, telling me to go sit down and play the piano, and I did, um. And also at the same time, when you come from a middle-class family, it, it, uh, there, you know, every, growing up at that time, every house had a piano and that was supposed to be like the cool thing of the sixties, you know, that showed a certain status in the family. Now everybody has a 72 inch big screen TV. (laughs) But, but but at that time, you had a piano in the house, and everybody was going to play the piano. My two brothers started. They were older. They quit. I kept on going, but I gravitated to it, and perhaps it was because of my emotions or it was a way for me to, uh, it was a very loud family, um, so it was a way for me to just do do Evan.
1: Great story.
0: So... Uh, you play more so 17, so seventeen, eighteen, I had enough of the. Uh, I had enough of it, right? I mean, I was like over the top with doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, and so I decided to split, and I ended up in the Northwest Territories, um, which is in in the latitude of Alaska and the Yukon.
1: At seventeen years old, you did this.
0: Seventeen, eighteen, just just like just before I turned eighteen,
1: um, with a dime in your pocket to make a phone call, right? <laughs> right,
0: and I had. I, it's funny because when I got on the train in the middle of the night, I had my pillow, some uh, LPs, and I don't know, maybe a box and a suitcase. Um, <laughs> um, and I went up north, and I lived with the indigenous and the Eskimo, but at oh, wow. the same time. That's where I wrote my first song, living way up there. I felt one day after like about a year, there was a piano in the house. I hadn't touched it. I, after I finished the classical and I left, I didn't even go near the piano. I had no intentions of ever doing music. And one day at the, I sat at the piano and I started to play the piano and I started to cry. Release, and, hmm. yeah, and this music happened, and um, that's when I realized that I've been given a gift, and it was being shown to me.
1: Right. So just curious, um, with the little, very little things that you had with you on that train, the LPs. Which LPs did you decide to take? Since this is the oh, final invited. <laughs>
0: Well I know for sure one was um oh Neil Diamond um, mm-hmm. you know that's when he I think he did Cracklin Rose and all that um, yeah. yeah in fact in fact my mastering engineer on the last two records um Bernie Becker he was um Neil Diamond's engineer for like 28 years
1: Oh that's interesting Oh that yeah. happened
0: Yeah. And um, another funny thing was, is uh, uh, my producer engineer, Peter Granite. Oh, heck, what albums? I forget now. Peter Granite, I I used to listen to music, too. And it turns out that I meet Peter Granite at a party in 95 when I come back from France. And he hears an old cassette I'd made in 89 when I was first going to start to release music. And uh, Peter Granite, he recorded all that music. And here I am talking to the producer or the engineer who sat in the studio and was recording music that I'd listened to up in the Northwest Territories.
1: Wow. It's amazing. Everything just connected for you and happened that way for a reason, you know?
0: Yes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you don't really see it until it happens. You know, you don't see the circles coming to a round. You don't see the closing of the circles. Um, When I lived in the north, I did meet um, uh, a fellow who was uh, very intuitive, uh, very close to the end, and he was the one who turned and looked at me and said, you have to go back down south and you have to do your music. And I had no idea I was going to do music. Also, at the same time, when I was in the north, I got a job working with preschoolers. And it was when I came back down to Winnipeg in Manitoba after I left, I worked with preschoolers again because I thought, well, heck, you know, I got a little bit of da-da-da. And I tried to do a musical program. I, uh, I wrote that, you know, it'd be really cool if we put children with artists uh, to help them expose their creativity, make up songs with them, dancing, this and that. Uh, elderly people, retired people can read them storybooks um, so I submitted this to the Canadian government in Ottawa. They accepted the program that I could try it out i was twenty one um, or twenty twenty one uh in daycare centers and write a write a report um, I couldn't get the money because I was too young. I was up against you know the Boy Scouts the y m c a but I used that information and that acceptance sheet to get twenty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty two to come to a private music school in LA and study how to be an arranger and an orchestrator. And I graduated at 70 at uh, 25 years old, conducting a 72 piece orchestra with my music.
1: Good Lord, man. I mean, when you were seven, you were like 21. You're just so far ahead.
0: Wow. (laughs) But you know, um, it's, you know, okay, so so I, I, I'm the guy who flies to France and I'm fixing up this really old house and da-da-da, and I have these skills. And at the same time, um, there's a zen to it. So maybe that's why I've done it uh, since 1987. I work on beautiful houses. I meet people from the industry I would never get in the door with to talk to them in the office. The president of Disney Music Group, I work on his house. <laughs> Wow. You know, well, I, w- there's a, I mean, there's I a thing. Famous- I would never be allowed into their offices, you know? What <laughs> I
1: was going to say was um, there was a famous guy that was a carpenter, you know.
0: There, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, if he can do it, so can I. That's what I tell <laughs> people. But there's well, a I zen, believe- to, you know, I, the, the, I, there, there's a zen to the work where, and and, and everybody's happy. Because I'm a, you know, if, if I'm a perfectionist in what note I have, see, that's another thing. I agonize over the notes: this note or that note, this note or that note. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and I'm like, dude, just finish the song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the agony so, of an artist at work, huh? <laughs> yeah,
0: but that's what I do when I'm on people's houses. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. I do the same perfection. So when I'm done, it looks gorgeous.
1: But there was a price to pay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty reasonable, too. In fact, I'm, I think I'm too cheap, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, so where, where 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 is the line of success? You know, because that's what happens with every artist. That's what happens with everybody out there who wants to do music and become a rock star. Or, mm-hmm. in, or be be in the limelight at Carnegie Hall and this and that. So where is the line of success in our lives? Um,
1: it's eternal. Uh, it's it's your line. It's what you decide is success, right? Really?
0: Right. But <laughs> I'm still coming to terms to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Seriously? you're sorry. It's fascinating. Uh, you should write a book. And I really appreciate your time today. And um,
0: thank you. Thank you for having
1: me. Oh, absolutely. It's been my pleasure, and thank you for your time, and I'll I'll get this up on your review and uh, get it out there so people can have a listen.
0: Absolutely, and, uh, you know, I always need a lot of followers, just like yourself, Um, so if people want to follow me on Spotify or iTunes, I'm very grateful. If they ever want to write an email to me, that's fine, too. Okay, Evan. What's your email
1: address? you want to give out your email address before we say goodbye?
0: Okay, I have full blocking, but I will see your email and I let you in. It's evanwish at earthlink.net.
1: All right. Evan Wish, thank you so much for your time on the final on vinyl today. Take care now.
0: Take care. Bye bye. Thanks.